Well, you know, there are many things in life that Christians need to learn. Would you agree? We need to learn about our salvation, that it is very secure. We call that eternal security. We need to learn about spiritual gifts, because God gives us those to uh, glorify God, earn rewards, bless the common good. Oh, we need to learn about end times events, that's for sure, especially as they draw even closer to us these days. Oh, so much to learn. And these are all important topics. But there's another topic that is, I would say, it's just as important. It is. And maybe even more so. It's more of a practical topic, I would say, because it affects how we view other people, especially other Christians. How we view them is very, very vital in our walk. And by the way, how people view Christians shapes what they think about God. Talking about the person far from God, looking at the follower of Christ, and what they see in that person, that could that could determine what they think about God. Do they want God? Do they not want God? What they see in the people of God. So, we're going through Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians, and we come to the principle of getting along. It's a good one. Getting along. Because if there's one thing we need to learn to do, it's get along. It seems like children have learned to get along, and then as they grow up, they forget the lessons. And as adults, we really struggle with getting along with others, don't we? Why is that? Why can kids get along so great with each other? And then when they become adults, there's wars, there's conflicts, there's all kinds of problems outside the church and inside the church. Why is that? That's a mystery. Well, we'll be in First Thessalonians chapter 3. And Paul sent Timothy to the Thessalonians, as we saw last time. And a little while later, Timothy returned with a positive report concerning their faith toward God, but also their love toward one another. Well, yeah. Timothy came back with a twofold report. These people, man, they got great faith in God. And these people, oh, they have great love toward one another. And Paul felt good about that. You know, the apostles often considered their converts their children. And parents like to see their children get along, right? Don't you like it, parents, when your kids get along? Oh, yeah, I'm sure you do. And there was a time when the Apostle John said, in 3 John 1, verse 4, he said, I have no greater joy. Wow, think about that. This is his greatest joy than to hear of my children walking in the truth. Now, when they're walking in the truth, the truth teaches them to get along. And that's joyful to John. <laughs> so let's go back to verse 6, 1 Thessalonians 3. And Paul said, But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love, and that you always think kindly of us, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. So we're going to take a look at some of the qualities 
that are required in order for people to get along. All right? Because that's a very big part of the Christian life, learning to get along. So, as already mentioned in verse 6, the first quality they had, and this is probably where it begins if you're going to get along, faith in God. Yeah, man, everything we do in life begins with our relationship with God. Did you know that? A while ago, I was talking to a childhood friend, or adults now, of course, with friends since you were like six years old, and he lives in another state, and he's got personal struggles, marriage just about shipwrecked. As a matter of fact, as we speak now, his marriage ended, and uh, he's tried everything to make things right, counseling, more counseling. He recently told me he doesn't know what to do anymore. I've been telling him for two years, he needs to get with God. And I sent him daily breads, Christian books, CDs, Christian music. I even found three churches in his area that I told him about. And then I told him, finally, I wasn't going to tell him anymore. I said, I sound like a broken record. I'm done. I'm done with you, spiritually. But of course, I keep doing it anyway. (laughs) I couldn't stop because I love him. And you know what? So it is for you and for me. The answer to our relationships is our relationship with God. You want to have a good relationship with people? It begins with a good relationship with God. So, after faith in God, here's what we need, number two. And this is all part of the letter. Love toward one another. And this word love that Paul used, it's the word agape. And yes, it speaks of affection, but not as a phony or forced love, okay? Agape love is the same love that God loved us with when he sent Jesus to die, and we were not on the same page with God. Now, we weren't walking with God when Jesus came, but he loved us anyway. It's an anyway kind of love, okay? It's not a phony love. You can tell a phony love. People that have phony love for you, they're in your life when you're doing well, or when you die, (laughs) or when you become famous. (laughs) Those are the three times. Now, the Thessalonians, they had real affection for one another. And you know, if you think about the church, right? A church should not be the place where we discriminate who we will love and who we will not. I'm going to give you the top 10 signs of true and fake love. All right? Here they are. Number one. True love is always open and honest, even when upset. Fake love plays games, hides their feelings, tries to manipulate the emotions of others in order to gain the upper hand. Number two, true love is self-sacrificing. Fake love only wants what it wants. Three, true love gives from the heart. Fake love gives because it wants something in return. Four, true love forgives. Fake love seeks vengeance. Five, true love appreciates you for who you are. Fake love tries to change you into their perfect ideal. Six, true love is romantic, 
intimacy, and lovemaking. Fake love is just sex. 7. True love tries to resolve conflict. Fake love tries to prove it is right. 8. True love lets go of hurts. Fake love harbors resentment. Number 9. True love gives you the freedom. Fake uh, fake love is controlling. And number 10. True love listens. Fake love only talks. Now, after faith in God and love to one another, the third thing to help you to get along with others, kind thoughts. Again, we're taking all of these line upon line from Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. We teach the Word of God, and we make it practical here on New Hope Radio. So number three is kind thoughts, where Paul said, you always think kindly of us. And that word think in the English, it's just a little word, think. But in the Greek language, it's a compound word. And it means to hold and recollection. So we would say to have a good remembrance. It's holding on to a kind thought. That's what that means. Maintaining a good remembrance of someone. The good things about that person. Have you ever noticed, and I have, I see it far too often, how easy it is to forget someone's good track record. Let one negative thing erase a whole list of positive things. Ever see that happen? Someone's a wonderful person, they have many positive things in their life, and then they do one thing that upsets you, and that one thing overrides everything else. It could have 10 positive things in that one thing. Forget about it, man. I just erased it all. That's not right. We have to maintain, here it comes, kindly thoughts. Hold on to the recollection of the track record, the good track record of that individual. So important. The fourth thing that's required to get along, mutual love. And that's why Paul could say, longing to see us just as we also long to see you. I love that verse. It's not like Paul is saying, we want to come and see you because we miss you. And the Thessalonians are like, oh, no, man, I hope he doesn't come. (laughs) That's not what's going on. Did you ever have that happen? Oh, I hope they don't come over. Oh, I hope they don't call me. Oh, I hope they don't come to the party. That's not mutual love. And I don't care what your reason is. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But all I'm saying is the best love is mutual love. There is a mutual love between apostle and congregation. Paul loves the church in Thessalonica. And the church in Thessalonica, they love Paul. I hope you have that in your church. I hope in your church... There's a congregation where the people love the pastor and the pastor loves the people. Because I'll tell you what, there and I've seen it, there are congregations where the people hate their pastor. I've seen it. Sad. And that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. If you don't like your pastor, you need to go find one that you do like. That's all. Because there should be a mutual 
love between both parties. There should be. That's what makes what? A church. But remember this. It all starts with faith in God. Oh, yeah. Faith in God lays the groundwork for everything else. The fifth thing Paul mentions is comfort. He said in verse 7, For this reason, brethren, little reminder there, oh, by the way, you people are followers of Christ. You're the bride of Christ. You're in the family of God. You are related to each other. You're brethren, okay? So for this reason, brethren, you know, we're all brethren as Christians. All Christians are brethren. You know what that means? We need to get along. Oh, yes, it does. We need to get along in spite of our differences. So for this reason, brethren, in all our distress and affliction, he said, we were comforted about you through your faith. See, even though Paul had his own personal struggles going on, when he got the good report from the Thessalonians, it built him up. He's like, yes, those are my children. That's the seed that I planted. And it's growing. And it's blooming. And it's beautiful. Is there anything more beautiful than a church that gets along? And where the people love each other. Oh, see, when people have a strong testimony in the Lord, it brings comfort to others, like it did to Paul, especially those who are suffering. Paul was suffering, but when he heard about the people in Thessalonica, it just, oh, it comforted him. You know, people that are suffering need comfort. And the comfort, you know, it's interesting, the comfort he received wasn't about him, it was about someone else. Someone else was doing well, and that made him feel good. Think about that. Someone else was doing well, and that comforted him. One person said, Little faith brings the soul to heaven, where great faith brings heaven into the soul. Oh, what's in your soul today? What's filling up your soul? Heaven, I hope, is filling up your soul. You know George Gallup, right? He once spoke of six spiritual needs. He said, here they are. Number one, well, I got a lot of lists today, don't I? Ten of these, six of that. <laughs> That's okay. Number one, the need to believe that life is meaningful and has a purpose. Well, that one would help a lot of people right off the bat. Because there's a lot of folks, they haven't yet found the meaning, not only to life, but to their life. And they're so sad and so discouraged. They don't have to be. And they shouldn't be. Number two, the second greatest need. The need for a sense of community and deeper relationships. See, God made us as communal beings, right? He said, when he made Adam, and Adam only had animals to hang out with. So, oh, it's not good man should be alone. He needs real community. He needs to commune with someone. And he made another person. Because we need community. 
Three, we have the need to be appreciated and respected. That's important. You know what I read one time? The number one people leave their jobs. Number one reason people leave their jobs. It's not because of money. They don't feel appreciated. See, that's a need. We need to feel affirmed because that tells us we're doing a good job. And if we're not reminded we're doing a good job, then we think we're we're useless and we have a low opinion of ourselves. So if you have people under you, remind them that they're doing a good job. They don't have to be doing a great job, but I'll tell you what, the more you commend them, the harder they'll work because it's a need we have. We all have that need to be appreciated, to be affirmed. Fourthly, we have the need to be listened to and heard. Yeah, not listening when you're thinking about what you're going to say back. Not that kind of listening. <laughs> listening where you're really getting into the other person's life and trying to understand them. Boy, that would save a lot of relationships, you know that? Oh, that would save marriages. That would save churches. If we could learn to listen. Didn't Paul say something like that? Be quick to hear and slow to speak? Yeah, he said something like that. You know, use your ears. Two ears, one mouth, right? We all have a need to be heard, to be listened to. Number five, we have the need to feel that one is growing in faith. We have that need, that we're growing. And maybe God will bring circumstances into our lives to give us that opportunity to see if we're growing And again, it's one of those things we commend people for their spiritual growth. And then lastly, the need for practical help in developing a mature faith. You know what I would call that? Discipleship. Discipleship. Helping people to grow. And you know, if you're going to help someone grow, you know what? You have to grow. If I'm going to help someone grow, I have to grow. I can't be stagnant. I have to grow myself, and I can't stop. And if I'm going to help somebody to mature in their faith, I have to mature in my faith. But people need that. Everybody needs someone to come alongside and help them to grow spiritually. It's not something we can do on our own. Yes, we can, but it's easier in community. And that's why discipleship groups, home Bible studies, church attendance, whatever you can do, where there's people Growing together. That's really important. Okay? So, Paul is giving us a list of things that we find in First Thessalonians 3 that help us to get along. The next one he gives us is in verse 10. He says, pray for each other. He said, as we night and day keep praying most earnestly, that we may see your face. You know, when's the last time we know we pray for people we like, right? Do you pray for people you don't like? (laughs) That's hard. I know. It's not easy. Because you don't even want to see their face in your mind. But when you pray for somebody, their their face comes to your mind. And you're like, I don't want to see them. (laughs) I don't like them. But you pray. We learn to pray. Jesus prayed from the cross, didn't he? 
Oh, all those bad people mocking him, taunting him, gambling for his clothes. And what did he say? He prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They are so lost. Forgive them. He prayed. Stephen prayed. When Stephen was being stoned by the Pharisees, the first deacon in the book of Acts, he prayed just like Jesus did. Don't let this sin be held to their account. You know, when you can get to a place in life where you can pray for people you don't like, you're doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. See, our enemy in this category of getting along, sometimes it's a couple of things. It's self-consumption and also busyness. So we can get too busy and stop working on relationships. I don't know how it happens. But many times we can have the best intentions of getting more personal with people, but then busyness gets in the way. Oh, and isn't that the way today in the 21st century? Man, it's like people don't have time for people. I'm guilty of that at times. Oh, yes, I'm guilty. Busyness gets in the way. We put busyness above people. How does that happen? I don't know. It just does. Paul made time to pray for them, especially that he could see them again. Oh, I'm praying we can be together again. I want to see you guys. You guys are awesome. When I'm with you, my faith is built up. Oh, he wanted to be with the Thessalonians. You're always encouraged when you're around serious, godly people. Oh, yeah. Then he also mentioned something else in verse 10 that helps us to get along. Learning the Word of God. He said, When I see you, we may complete what is lacking in your faith. Complete what is lacking. What does that mean? It means keep on teaching. Keep on teaching them the things of God so they can grow. He's saying, listen, you don't stop learning. You have to keep learning. You don't stop. You're like a river. Got to keep moving. You know what happens if the river stops and it gets dammed up? It's stagnant. And then it stinketh. (laughs) That's what happens if the Christian stops growing. They get stagnant. And then they stinketh. You don't want that. Keep learning. Keep growing. And then... Paul summarizes his heart toward them in verse 11. He said, Now may our God and Father himself and Jesus our Lord direct our way to you. In other words, bring me back. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, for other Christians. And then he says, And for all people, that's those outside the faith, just as we also do for you. So think about it. As followers of Christ, we are called to love all people in the church, and we are called to love people outside the church, people far from God. Why? So that he may establish your hearts. You know what that means? Oh, that you become stable. That's stability. 
God establishes your heart when you live in love. And finally, you're a stable person. Oh man, I can't wait for that. (laughs) And you're without blame. What does that mean? Clear conscience. So when you live in love, God makes you stable and he gives you a clear conscience. And that clear conscience is in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. That means it's going to carry you right through to the end. So what does Paul say to help us get along? Here it is. Have faith in God. It all belongs there. It all begins there. Love one another. That makes it real. Think kindly of each other. No hypocrisy. Have a mutual love. That means everybody's going to do it. Comfort one another. Let your strength, let your faith strengthen others. Pray for each other. Bring people before God. Ask God to work in their life. And learn the Word of God. Get instructions. See, only the Bible teaches us how to get along. We don't know how. You think all these people that are starting wars, nation against nation, you think they're all walking with Jesus? I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't think so. The The source of conflict is not God. That's for sure. The end of conflict will be with God. And if we can take these principles and abide in them, then we can all get along. I'll tell you what, I'd revisit this podcast, newhopecc.tv, the Hope Club podcast. It's called How to Get Along, because these are instructions that we need to hear now and again to be reminded. I need to be reminded of these things. I'm no way student sometimes. Oh, no. I need to hear that and say, oh, yeah, okay. I got a little tightening up to do on my own here couple of spots there need a little more ironing out, get the wrinkles out of my Christian life. So we're all, we're all a work in progress and we're all growing. But if we abide in these things, we will all get along. Oh, that's all it takes little bit of humility sitting under the teaching of the Holy Spirit through God's Word. That's it. That's all we have to do. Watch it happen. Oh, watch the good things happen. So like I said, the Hope Club podcast, How to Get Along, that's the one you want to listen to. And you can just type it in online. You can go to Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, or our website, newhopecc.tv. Scroll down. All of our podcasts are there. I'll tell you what. We're glad to be with you. I hope these things are helpful. If they are, send us an email, newhoperadio7 at gmail.com. Just let us know, hey, this is helping me. That's all we want to hear. I'll see you next time.